Welcome to the Well Woman Show, where we use intersectional feminism, mindfulness, leadership, and strategy to support smart women to change the world without anxiety, insecurity, and burnout. On the show, we challenge the status quo and support you to unlearn harmful messages that keep you playing small. To me, coming down to the core of it is how have I internalized colonialism? How did my ancestors contribute to that or were harmed by that? So you can activate your superpowers and live with joy, confidence, and ease. I'm your host, Giovanna Rossi. Hello, well women. Welcome back to the show. This month, I have a very special guest. I interview Tanya Taylor Rubenstein, narrative-based master teacher and founder of Somatic Writing. The emphasis of Tanya's work is on retrieving stories held in the body, connected to ancestors, trauma, magic, and land. Her memoir, Skirting the Binary, is being published this year. As always, all the links and information are at wellwomanlife.com slash 307show. The Well Woman Show is thankful for support from the Well Woman Academy at wellwomanlife.com slash academy. Join us in the Academy for community mindfulness practices and strategy to live your Well Woman life. I'm speaking with Tanya Taylor Rubenstein. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much, Giovanna. I'm so happy to be here. To start with, Tanya, would you tell listeners who are you in the world today? Well, in terms of who I am professionally in the world, I'm the founder of a process and an organization called Somatic Writing. And uh, we help people write their books, particularly artists, a lot of psychotherapists, somatic practitioners, poets, deep creative. And it's really the shifting, the way my work has shifted in the last several years is really around books to shift the culture. So books that are focused on shifting the cultural story. And I'm particularly interested in working with people who see themselves as leaders in emergent culture. Okay, we're going to get into all of that. I just want to ask you if you want to share anything else about who you are in the world. Mm, Aside aside from your profession. I'm a mother. (laughs) I'm a mom. And I think that really fuels so much um, of who I am. My daughter, I, I raised in New Mexico, where you are. She's 25 years old. I am married to an amazing artist, musician, Sidney Bullens, and he is a trans person and trans activist. And uh, marrying him shifted my trajectory around how I create as well in these last seven years. He started out as a client of mine. Now he's my husband. He had come to me to write his story. So, you know, and I consider myself at heart, a storyteller, a solo performer myself, and an activist. So Tanya, it seems as though you have come to a place in your deep work, in your career, your breadth of work. You've come to a place where you've you've been able you've managed to kind of pull together lot like the different strands of who you have been in your professional life. And you've woven this together into this offering that this work that you're offering in the world, which is this storytelling and writing. And you talked about it being, you know, helping people write books to shift the culture. Can you talk a little bit more about what does that mean? Like, how do we shift culture with a book? Yeah, it has been an amazing integration. I'm 58 years old. And 
So it was right after George Floyd's murder, that first summer of, you know, in the pandemic 2020 and all of that energy. And I went into my first, I, I went into my second Saturn return and it was like, it was this convergence and everything shifted and I couldn't have really planned it. I mean, I'd been story coaching, theater directing, working with personal narrative in so many ways, so many incarnations of that work in New Mexico for 20 years. And before that as an actor and writer myself and storyteller and Somehow the confluence of all those events, along with my own Saturn return, my second Saturn return, which I later read about, is very much about preparing us for elderhood and to be conscious elders, you know, and I, I've done a lot of ancestral constellation work and this idea of becoming a future ancestor, you know, a great ancestor, being able to remember that someday I too will live in the land of the dead, <laughs> you know, as a spiritual woman, like, what do I want to do now in this body. And so, yeah, these two and a half years, and I'm about to come out of my my Saturn return, I think I've got another like five or six months. And it is, it's been about the integration of all these threads has been to create a, a deepening in my life work. It's also very precise in a way that I didn't see coming. It really snuck up on me that I was going to create this very, very specific process for mm -hmm. very specific people, I think. While at the same time, it's very inclusive, but the specificity comes from what you just asked about. How do we shift the culture? And I believe we shift the culture by shifting our own trauma, our, our personal trauma, but also to shift the story. I believe we have to go beyond that and really address our embodied trauma and our intergenerational trauma and the way that plays out in to me, coming down to the core of it is how have I internalized colonialism? How did my ancestors contribute to that or were harmed by that? And a very, I, have a, I feel like I have a very American story. I feel like I'm really, though I serve people globally, I feel very much about like, as an American, we have all these layers of maybe our family were colonizers and perpetrators, but maybe also they were immigrants and very poor or coming from genocide or coming from a war. And at the same time, colonization, right, in terms of usurping Native people's land and ways of being, indigenous ways of being. It's a complex story. And it's very much living in New Mexico all 30 years that I came to understand that that is the root of what I'm working with people to explore. Mm. There's so much complexity to what we just talked about. And I think, you know, it's tricky to to share a story in a way that's specific enough and, and simple enough to, to get across, but also to really convey that complexity and to honor the complexity. And, it, you know, things are not just black and white, good or bad. And, and I, I think that that's what I'm hearing from, from you. Uh, you know, it's one, one of the things I'm hearing is how we, sh how we can tell stories that are complex, that we, you know, we can share the nuances that something that appears bad, there are good things in it and vice versa. And so I'm, I'm very interested and have been in for a long time in how we shift norms. And, uh, you know, I've done that 
in my work through policy and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and practice. And so uh, what do you, how do you think about emergent culture? Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. Thank you. And thank you for sharing that you've done that work with policy. And to me, it's, that's so critical. And then personally, what are we do? I think to me, emergent culture is about embodiment. We can create a lot of myths about ourselves, but how do we really live? What are we embodying? Are we embodying our integrity? you know, by actually becoming honest in a culture that is seeded with lies, you know, it's a, a, and the shallowness in some ways of like Western culture and late stage capitalism and the materialism. How can we return one of my questions that is, is so compelling to me in this to our own indigenous natures? Indigenous, not because we're Native Americans, indigenous to our own ancients. What was the wisdom, you know, that we were carrying before patriarchy, before the witch burnings? We all once were indigenous to land. Mm. We all weren't once in a sense of oneness in our bodies with place. We were also like going back to more matriarchal communities, which are not the opposite of patriarchy. Of course, we think Western mind, you know, it's the opposite. It wasn't about women on top, but in matriarchal leadership, which yes, was female driven leadership. It was the inquiry was what does each person in the circle need rather than an over under. So returning to what it means, while of course we're contemporary people dealing with enormous global problems and of course looking at climate catastrophe and I mean really all of the stuff that has made particularly that issue that makes literally our survival and how are we going to survive as a species will we what is a path back and i think there's so much creativity and magic and deep surprising ancestral and spiritual connections available to us and old medicine you know connected to the earth hmm. the resources of the earth to our bodies you know connected to the earth so i'm i'm interested in helping people pop open aspects of themselves somatically through the body to discover what's there not like it's a one answer but what's there in your natural state connected to these older realms yeah so you're really helping writers and leaders connect in that way and write from a deeper place, tell a story that they might not consciously be aware of yet. Who are these people that are writing these stories? And I think sometimes in terms of dominant culture and and emergent culture and a lot of my work around policy and around leadership coaching has to do with, you know, supporting emergent leaders, but also talking to folks within the dominant culture as well. And a lot of people don't really want to be in that culture, but they are. And so mm-hmm. how how do you access, like, who are you accessing and, and how how is that? Well, it's a very somatic process for me. I'm always sort of following my own somatic breadcrumb trail. It's how I've really created everything. 
I'm an autistic person, which is not something I knew until later in my life, only a few years ago. So it kind of uh, made me fail capitalism in a way and fail academia. So most of what I've learned has been through an outsider's path. And I and I was born into a very dominant culture, DC Republican family, right? So I was like the mm-hmm. failure, right? In that, in that mm-hmm. realm, because mm-hmm. I couldn't you know, there was nobody in my family that didn't have a master's degree or PhD, including women, including my mother, grandmother, great grandmother. There was it was a very white European ancestry, you know, but very education was God. Hmm. So I said something at the beginning of the pandemic spontaneously, and it went viral on Facebook. I didn't even think about it. I just typed it out. It was a little thing. And what I said was everything that made you an outsider in the dying world has prepared you to lead in the emergent culture. And that just came through and I've been living into what that means and what it means to me and what I'm finding more and more. And it's what you said about people in dominant culture, right? The part of themselves they may love the most, the version of themselves that is the most dynamic, they may have been shamed for. Mm -hmm. Families marginalized, dominant culture marginalized. We're meant to be ashamed of our greatest gifts often. So we can feel marginalized even within a dominant system. And then of course, queer people, you know, I'm queer and I came to that really late. There's automatically a marginalization there that, that has allowed for some amazing, powerful experiences. That's the thing too. The things that marginalize us make us resourceful because we have to find another way in. So I really work with, I work with a lot of psychotherapists, not surprisingly, because I've been in therapy for so many years. A lot of like somatics, body workers, family constellation folks, um, you know, and of course, if anybody's been marginalized because of their race, because of classism, because of, you know, all of the things, every woman has been marginalized. You don't have to be non-binary or trans to be marginalized in a patriarchal con. Mm-hmm. Culture, you're a white cis woman. You're already right, several steps down, and yet it's those things that hold access to our gifts, our magic. And so, I really work with people. I always say I'm a trauma informed container, you know, because I've done so much trauma work, and I bring in tons of trauma therapists. But also, we're a magical container because to me, when we get under the trauma stories, what starts to open on the other side of the shame, on the other side of the masking, of pretending to be this thing is our magic. A lot of our psychic gifts come back, come flooding back. They did for me and for people I work with, because it's like you go deep enough into the trauma and you write what you've been told is shameful or unspeakable. And what you find instead is this beauty and this power, maybe connections to generations past, maybe connections to an old matriarchal line there waiting to teach you the old ways. My God, it's like all these new options wake up and the psychic intuitive sense that oh my gosh. And this is sort of the indigenous thing too. We are connected. This isn't just a trope we say over, oh, we're connected. We're all one. No, we can feel it in our bodies. Mm -hmm. And I say a lot these days to my people, I'm like, you know, our psychic gifts, there's no one, it's no wonder in patriarchy, they've been made fun of and put down and marginalized and, oh, that person's a charlatan or this or that. This is the key to our power. Right. Intuition 
is one of the four parts of a of the well woman framework that I use. And and it really is, and I talk about power a lot in my work. And this part of the well woman framework is really about connecting back to our power and stop stop stopping looking out to the external for for our power and for our our own leadership, right? And like really going inside. And so there's, and so I love that you call it magic. And uh because it is, it it is magical. Tanya, what would you say to listeners who are like, well, I I would like to write my story. Like, well, how do I get started? What do I do? Like, what what is this? And I know you have a whole way of teaching it, but what would you say for folks to get started? You know, well, people come, people arrive around, you know, to their stories um, from different places. I mean, I was really fortunate to arrive from New York into Santa Fe in the early 90s. And Natalie Goldberg was doing so much work and Julia Cameron, like right in New Mexico. The Taos Poetry Circus was thriving. And my dream had to been to, was to write my one-person show ever since I'd met my mentor, the late Spalding Gray, because I started as an actor, not a writer. And I was a totally blocked writer. And so my way in at that time, you know, was through Natalie Goldberg's um, and The Artist's Way. Years later, I ended up teaching with Natalie and Julia Cameron and Anne Lamott, Bird by Bird. But that was like, I think it's amazing that it was only in the 90s that this movement towards everybody has the right to have their voice, right? Because the literary canon is very white, very male, very patriarchal. I, I started to really benefit from it in the early 90s. So, I mean, there's mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff like Anne Lamott, Bird by Bird, and Natalie Goldberg writing down the bones. And those things are a great sort of basic way to get into the work. The way I work with people um, is a little bit different. It's, I mean, it builds on that. Um, My work, work, I work first with people writing with their ancestors. It's the very first of the 13 somatic writing practices. Mm. Because when we start to actually have a relationship with the dead, and it was very impactful. I had done ancestral constellation work, totally changed my life in New Mexico. But when I heard that the number one, that European witches were burned, The one accusation against women for being witches was that they were speaking to their dead. I understood what the church had come to understand, what the church imposed was literally death. You were called a witch if you were speaking to your dead. Well, this was women in the cemetery speaking to their ancestors. There was a relationship between, you know, moving back and forth between the veil. So to me, when people can start to connect to the long story of their souls, that there is something before and something after, and that we are beloved to others whose names we may or may not even know who may have been a race, but the practices, it's only indigenous um, communities globally that have kept the, kept the practice of speaking right with the dead, with the ancestors. And it's all coming back at this time. So I start people there with that connection and it changes. It not only becomes this retrieval in terms of writer's voice, but it changes the quality of the writing. And then I work with people writing from the body, writing from the land, building writing altars, working with the spirit Mm -hmm. of your book, 
because it is alive and it's distinct and it has things it wants to say to you. People get all confused and they think they're their book. There's an enmeshment. It's like, no, the book is the book and you're you and the book has the spirit. So I work with people to help them remember their magic. And from that place, they're empowered. And by the way, I use the word power magic interchangeably. So I love what you said. I I use them as if they're almost really the same word to me. Mm. That's what gets unlocked to start to access in a kind of animist way of being the connections of, of spirits and aliveness and everything. And if we follow that aliveness in our writing, it unlocks a different quality of voice. Wonderful. And I think one of the takeaways I think for listeners is there's so many, but one is that everybody has a story and this is not just for quote unquote writers or authors. It's about a process of becoming right. And, and, and identifying and, and sharing the story. And I'm glad you mentioned the the folks that you mentioned. I did interview Julia Cameron on my show. And so we'll we'll link to that interview in the show notes. But the others, I encourage uh, listeners to go and, and look into, you know, Natalie Goldberg and Anne Lamott and those. And I'm speaking with Tanya Taylor Rubenstein, and we'll be right back. For 25 years, I've been working in social justice and systems change because when women and girls thrive, families thrive and whole communities thrive. What I realized through my work was that there are systems at play that work to keep women leaders functioning at half their capacity because of overwork, overwhelm and burnout. The very nature of our linear strategic systems of power that have worked so well for so many high achieving women are the exact reason we're crashing and burning at such high rates. So we end up with highly capable women leaders who are unable to realize their potential, whether it's in their health, their relationships, career, prosperity, or social impact. I'm Giovanna Rossi, host of The Well Woman Show on NPR. And what I do is work with high achieving women leaders who feel stuck in their careers, overwhelmed by trying to do it all, facing a health crisis or unhappy in their relationships so that they can finally enjoy life again, be the leader they know they can be and make the impact they're here to make with their families and communities. It's my mission to use a feminist lens and the Well Woman Life framework to challenge the status quo and dismantle systems that work to maintain unequal power so that all women can thrive as leaders in their communities and families. Get started on your Well Woman leadership journey by applying for the group program at wellwomanlife.com slash academy. We're back on the Well Woman show with Tanya Taylor Rubenstein of Somatic Writing. And Tanya, we're going into a quick segment called Superpowers for Success. The first question I have for you is, what does success in life mean for you? Freedom to be who I am without feeling a need to mask or water myself down for anyone to water. I don't want to water down my brilliance. So that is it. And also to be able to feel free to be unmasked around my struggles and my vulnerabilities without feeling the need to hide or collapse into shame. So I think Mm -hmm. the ability to shine and at the same time falter freely, like publicly not have to hide behind a veneer, I think has been the type of success I've pursued the most. So I would 
imagine that on a deep level, that's probably what I value the most. Mm, I love that. Okay. And when did you know you were really good at what you do? Probably I have a sense of of writing a poem about four years old and another sense of um, performing in a monologue in a theater kind of setting at about um, 13. So those were both formative senses. But and so story has always been the organizing principle of my life. Okay. And can you describe a personal habit that contributes to your well-being so you can do everything you do in the world? Well, I have some new, very interesting habits. I'll share one that came to me in when I started building this business and I was receiving a lot of intuitive information. And I just would wake up in the night in the middle of the pandemic and I would walk from my bed with my husband and leave him, walk to the dining room. And I would just start to walk around the dining room table 11 times. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. It was like a force field was pulling me. Then I was working with a friend who was a psychic and witch. And I said, this is so strange, but like it was a total somatic thing. And she said, oh, that you're just being shown how to open your your magical portal. Mm. And, it, and it really took And every morning I walk around my dining room. It's a kind of ritual. And I do, and I do more ritualized walking in my backyard too. I do like the infinity symbol. And, you know, if you think about people over time and a lot of my background is Celtic and walking labyrinths, like ritual walking, that this was kind of a, a woman's practice, a practice, a spiritual practice. And I'm doing ritualized walking. And I love it. That's awesome. I, that is one that I have not heard from any guests. I love that. I think listeners will really get a lot out of that uh, explanation that you just gave. Tanya, what superpower did you discover you had only to realize it was there all the time? My autism. Mm. And I always say it's such a trip to me because I track stories. Like that's what I sort of like when you talk about my gifts, it's what do I do? It's I'm able to track stories. That's why I've been able to help so many people over decades, you know, monologues, TED Talks, didn't matter, the form essays, whatever they were doing, track with people their stories. I can always hear, it's like a psychic hearing, what's missing in the story or, you know, mm. what people are going to long to hear or what they're holding back or hiding from them. And um, it was so interesting to me because I had this blind spot and it was right here next to my eye. It was literally a blind spot. And there was a part of me that always knew I was very, very gifted, but there was another part of me that felt very, very broken. As soon as I found out it was my undiagnosed autism and whole other story. It's a feminist issue. All the men of my generation were diagnosed with Asperger's. The women were not another marginalized identity. And there might be other listeners listening to this and not know because autism shows up differently. It was something I'd always mask around, but I didn't even have a word for it. And it was so liberating. And then I got to find out there's nothing broken in me. There's nothing wrong with me. And I was able to reframe it as this is my brilliance, my superpower. And what it liberated me to understand is I just need some extra help in certain ways. And when I could understand that and receive that and like give it that context, I was freed from the story of brokenness and really able to integrate it as my superpower and live from that. And it was honestly just a few years ago 
I love that. Okay. And for people listening who have worked with the Well Woman Framework, and we do talk a lot about those things that we have identified or other people have identified that uh, are the things that we are broken with or, or the things that you know we need to change and work on. And, and the fact that those are often our superpowers, right? Mm-hmm. Tanya, just a couple of more questions. What advice would you give your younger self, say 25 years old? To slow down and trust, trust the process a bit more than I was able to. I really suffered from a lot of anxiety and I, I wish I could go back now. And I do go back to my daughter and I'm able to impart that. But, you know, think we have to integrate it as we do. I wish I would have just slowed down and 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 given myself a break, really. And I'm sure you hear that a lot. Let myself off the hook from the perfectionism. Yeah. Do you identify as a feminist? I do. I, inter- I, I identify as an intersectional feminist. So I'm very interested in the intersections of being a woman, but also or non-binary or trans or black or person of color. And the ways the different layers Mm -hmm. of cultural marginalization impact someone's experience. Okay. And last question for you, Tanya, what are you reading right now? What's on your nightstand? Sand Talk by Tyson Yankaporta. And it's by a Aboriginal man. And it's about how indigenous thinking can save the world. And Mm -hmm. I absolutely love it. I've also reading something called Six Ways by Aiden Watcher, who is a magical practitioner. Okay. We'll link to those on our show notes. And uh, Tanya, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show today. It's really been a pleasure um, being with you, Giovanna. And I so appreciate our our New Mexico connection and, and, and happy to now be connected in this way too around your work. I want to tell you about a cool new product from Well Woman Life, which is the 2023 Planner. Now, this has been in the works for a long time, and we've been using it in the Well Woman Academy. But now for the first time, it's available for purchase from the wider community. You can go to wellwomanlife.com slash planner to find out more about that. Uh, But just to say, it's really cool because it's a daily look at uh, how to use the Well Woman Life tools to apply them in your life every day. So it includes how to prioritize, how to reconnect with your purpose, um, and how to re-energize and how to really find what nourishes you on a daily basis. So check it out, wellwomanlife.com slash planner. That's it for our show today. Remember, if you need support to live your Well Woman Life, head over to wellwomanlife.com. As a reminder, we are on NPR every week. So be sure to tune in at npr.org slash podcasts and search for The Well Woman Show. If you enjoyed today's show, please take a moment and subscribe and leave a review. This helps raise visibility, which is super helpful when it comes to producing the show every week. For feedback, comments, or just to let me know you were listening, find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Well Woman Life. I'm Giovanna Rossi for The Well Woman Show. Until next time, have a super powerful week.